welcome to Gotham City and episode 74 of I Am The Knights, where Adam hello, and I look at season 2, episode 15 of Batman the Animated Series, Second Chance. We get a second chance and uh, more than second appearance of a truly split down the middle dual mm. villain here showing the double-sided nature of this character and it's truly a strong and character-driven thought piece portrait episode, I would say. Absolutely, but with all the action you could ever imagine, atmosphere and everything else you could possibly ask for, as is standard from anything this series presents. Brilliantly written by Paul Dini and Michael Reeves and tragically directed by the amazing Boyd Kirkland. We got a lot of atmosphere and emotional resonance from this episode, so yeah, tragically is a good way to put it. Yeah, because... Harvey Dent is one of those characters, as is Two-Face, because I honestly do sometimes see them as two complete and distinct individuals that fill me with dread because he's a fantastic villain, but also with heartbreak because he was a true hero. And the, the couple of years where Bruce Wayne, Jim Gordon and Harvey Dent were like friends and swap Bruce for Batman, they were also colleagues in a true and honest fight against crime. Harvey's story is just one of the most tragic in all the comics. It really is, because the three of those characters together, the three of those lawmen, had a real shot at cleaning up yeah. Gotham into its complete entirety. They had the shot to make it a safe, peaceful place that the three of them truly dreamed of, but uh, that's it was not meant to be. It was tragedy, whether it be acid, explosions fires there's always something that would go wrong to lead to harvey dent's destructive fate and yeah we have to wonder how good things could have been without him but that's truly probably the great thing of the tragedy because we always aware of what could have been i almost think that the fall of harvey dent is as much behind batman's relentless never-ending war on crime as any other catalyst i mean I honestly think that they would have made real headway, just like you said, if Harvey hadn't had that horrible accident. I think so too. I think they had a real shot at making things truly peaceful. It would have been the it would have been the perfect system of just the legal process of catching people thanks to the police, the the crime fighting edge that Batman presents and then ensuring they stay away for good with Harvey's legal prowess. They would have been the perfect team to completely clean up Gotham, but such was not meant to be. And obviously we we come into this episode with Harvey being as whole a person as he's been since the accident and about to receive the corrective surgery to make his physical countenance match um, the progress the doctors thought they'd made. But he gets kidnapped, we think, possibly by Rupert Thorne, possibly by Penguin. But the truth is all that much darker and, and more sad, really, isn't it? It's true. And... Uh... As Batman says, it should have been obvious from the offset, but still, the nature of uh, the denial behind Harvey Dent's rehabilitation was much more dark and sinister, and still just shows the tra the overall tragedy of the character that something so wrong happened to someone so good, even someone as good as you could fall to quote Batman from the uh, from the Christopher Nolan movies. Indeed, I mean, you either. Die a hero, you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Exactly that. And poor old Harvey lived long enough to see himself become the villain. It's it's a fantastic story. I mean, the story by Paul Dini and Michael Reeves and the script by comics legend, we've talked about him often, um, Jerry Conway. 
who wrote many a fantastic Batman tale in the 80s and has written basically every major character for both Marvel and DC. Do you think it needed a a, a great comics writer to pull off a script as as ambitious and as harrowing, but yet so true to the whole mythos of both Batman and Two-Face as this one was? I think so. I think it needed someone with the experience and the knowledge of both characters to be able to do a story this ambitious justice because... It didn't really read like a Saturday morning cartoon because that's no, still ultimately absolutely. what um, Batman the Animated Series is. It didn't read that way. There was so much emotional weight there mm. simply because we see just the, the clear-ish night slowly turn into rain and the emotional weight matching the weather that Batman was under. And we very interestingly, we got the reanimation, of, using my words deliberately here, of that night where... Harvey Dent suffers his accident yes. from like 30, 40 plus episodes ago. Yeah. Um, we see that episode retold and it's so interesting to see that the actual animation had changed so differently because we see that false, perce- false perspective motion that they didn't pull off in the original episode and just the scope of it just to show how far the actual production values has come in that in the animated series is a really rewarding thing to see. We then get that into just the same shock and reaction from Batman and the same, probably the same audio clips from the original episode of just Harvey, no. And just to see what has happened to him. And we feel the emotional weight that Batman still does feel responsible for this. So this was a heavily weighted, emotional, deep episode that needed to be handled with care. So well said. I mean, this was, like you say, not a Saturday morning adventure strip. This was a pulp noir crime fiction thriller. Exactly that. Really well put. It's um, just that deep look into these characters, where they've been, and what we can expect from them. Is uh, it's good to have that callback from the original episode into how things have progressed so far, and the hopes that the the Batman has so much so that he feels so involved in it that he has to sort of oversee it, and he was glad that he did. It's it's amazing because, like you said, this was the first time in like 70 plus episodes where there's been an actual physical callback to a prior episode where we had to see what happened to Harvey again. That's never been done before, but I honestly think it was necessary this time. Yeah, because we got to see that retelling of it as Batman remembered it and it matches the emotional way that he's feeling at that moment with Harvey Dent taking a real shot at coming back to the real world and as exciting and as rewarding and fulfilling they could possibly be we get that uh retelling and that callback just so that we can feel the emotional weight from that moment to now and still get a bit of needed context if it may have been needed absolutely and what was also amazing about this episode was that it almost feels like it happened on the exact same night as the last episode we reviewed with um, Riddler, and whereas Riddler proved again to be his own worst enemy, so has Harvey. I mean, these two could almost work as, as two bookends to two tragic tales of Batman villains who could be so much more if they could just fight that darkness within themselves. It's, I mean, so many layers and, and depths to these stories. That's why I appreciate the Batman Rose Gallery more than most, because they present such deeply psychologically flawed characters 
and as harrowing as it is to watch sometimes, it, those kinds of characters are fascinating. Yeah. They have many stories that can be told about them and they keep drawing us back in. No other like set of fictional antagonists are that interesting to me personally. You could put more layers onto them, but it wouldn't feel so, so sincere. But there's something about Batman's villains that they are so layered that you can look at them with so many different angles. Even today you're getting new takes on Batman character Batman villains with um the Scarecrow being that psychological genius to try and like uh, almost gaslight Batman into thinking he's truly mad with the whole sense of fears. But here we get that real case of, yes, the Riddler's an intellectual genius, but is undone by his own ego. And mm -hmm. Two-Face had that grand destiny of being able to clean up the streets, but has fallen physically and mentally. So we get that level of depth because these characters are just so fascinating. Yeah, indeed. I mean, like you said, in a lot of comic books when I was growing up and even now, you still get the villain who is power hungry, wants to take over the world, and that's the be-all and end-all of their rationale and reasoning. But most Batman villains, I mean, 99% of them, there's so much more emotional weight to them, much more depth, and actual, like you said, actual character. They're not two-dimensional villains, black and white. The shades of grey in these characters is absolutely fascinating. really is. We get it in full force just to see the extent of their madness, their brokenness, and the fact that it's not entirely their own fault. We see the self-defeating patterns and mindsets that the really gets himself in. We see the trauma that the majority of Batman villains have been through and we feel for them. We can't excuse their actions and we can't excuse the fact that they are still doing wrong. But that is also the thing that keeps us back to them because there's a part of them that we can relate to. And that's also the thing that keeps Batman on his uh, nightly quest as the Dark Knight to keep them as safe and as in behind bars as possible because there is still something good within them that can be redeemed. The only exception, of course, being the Joker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's the only one with without redemption. Absolutely, but that's what I love about Harvey Dent and Two Face, though the characters that I truly feel for. Um, Two Face terrifies me, but Harvey Dent, the inner persona, I still want to see one day come out. I mean, it's happened before. There was a brilliant storyline in the nineties um, called Fifty Two where there was a cataclysmic event and at the end of it, Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman decided they needed to regroup, go away, think about things and took a year off. And at that point, Harvey Dent was seemingly cured. And it was Harvey, along with some of Batman's sidekicks, that were put in charge of keeping peace in Gotham while Batman was away. And the redemption arc, the story of Harvey as a hero, it, it was brilliant, but of course, eventually Big Bad Harv, the, the, the dark side inside of him, resurfaced and it's like that never-ending story but i still you know what i'm like i'm a sucker for redemption tale i still hope that one day harvey will re-emerge but it's going to be a long time coming it will be and even then with the a condition like his anything could happen to draw that bad side right back to the surface again so it would be a matter of time where we would just have to hope that it lasts for as long as however it does but still that's what keeps the character so interesting is that he is so like split down the middle he can swing between one side or the other depending on how the story shakes up and what the coin says even
yeah and perhaps also what best suits either harvey or two phases needs at those, that moment in time yeah because they're so split they yeah. can have that difference of a given moment and that's what makes it so dangerous uh, but still makes it so interesting that you can tell that level and that layered kind of story yeah absolutely it's great to see again that finally and it's been more than halfway through. We've seen loads and loads of episodes featuring both Batman and Robin, considering the show's title card is now called The Adventures of Batman and Robin. And Lauren Lester, again, kudos, fantastic. You could believe he's a teenager. But what I love about this particular episode is you see Robin as the showman, Robin as the acrobat, as you always do, Dick Grayson as almost the polar opposite to Batman. But... I love the fact that Robin gets caught, Robin escapes, he doesn't get saved by Batman. Yeah. But at the end, he is there to help his mentor, even though his mentor said, stay away, stay away. And it's great to see writers and artists and directors making Robin every bit the hero that Batman is. Well, with Batman's training and Batman's care and mentorship, you'd expect that Robin to be competent because ultimately... Like he says, uh, like flippantly and offhandedly, but he still says, oh, I'm just the kid in tights. So he can like dismiss himself from the situation. Robin is still very competent because I don't think Batman would endanger anyone if they weren't. Mm -hmm. I don't think any Batman would want anyone out there unless they were truly ready. So yeah, there's a level of competence to Robin that needs to be there. And it's nice to actually see it on show in this episode. There's been a lot of times where he's been like, trapped under cases and his like ankles broken or what have you and there's a lot of times when he's been tied up and getting saved so seeing a competent robin is actually a little refreshing and i love to see it do you think i mean this to me especially having watched it again now after so many years i mean this is 1994 now this is two years into this stellar series run that we are actually seeing the birth of nightwing here i think i'd say so there's definitely a little bit of tension here between Batman and Robin in this episode that I want to talk about a little more but um, that level of competence that level of like self-assuredness and the consistency of the characters have given the one-liners as clear and as like jokey as you'd always expect Dick Grayson to be yeah this is definitely some of the places where Nightwing began I can see maybe a few more like chance encounters with Robin doing his very best into some serious injuries and a big argument with Batman would lead to him saying, I'm done and moving to Bloodhaven then coming back as Nightwing, mm -hmm. as it happened in the comics. Yep, and joining the Titans and becoming a leader in his own right. I mean, let's not forget, I mean, even in the comic books, there was a time when Robin looked up to Batman and said, oh, do you think I'll be in the Justice League one day? And Batman turned to him and said, no. And as a reader, you think, whoa, what? Hang on, hey? And then Batman looks at him and says, one day you will lead the Justice League. Yeah. And, well, lo and behold, I mean, to me, even though Batman is my favourite hero of all time, always will be, I still think that Dick Grayson is much more central, much more connected to the entire DC universe than even Batman is. Truly, yeah. he's the He was there in the middle of all of it. He's trained in as much part by Superman as yeah. few people truly know about, but... Yeah, he's incredibly crucial and still very important and a character that I can deeply respect as there as the sort of heart and soul centre of DC Comics. Yeah, because you always get... This is the age-old tale of the hero and the sidekick, but here again, it's it's clearer than ever than... Robin isn't just a sidekick to Batman. They are equal partners, and 
it really came across so well in this episode. Yep, they both had strong moments of heroism. They both had moments where they were uh, really feeling it from the power of the villains that they needed to rise up within themselves and then rise up to assist the other one. So there was equal footing of heroic deeds done by these two here. Yeah, absolutely. And you said you wanted to comment on Dick Grayson and Robin in this episode. Please, I please elaborate. I wanted to just sort of question Batman's um, thought process. I, I was aware that, sure, he was very emotionally like charged, given the state of affairs, Batman. And there's no discredit to him. It makes total sense for him to be as emotionally elevated by the, dealing with Harvey Dent and Two-Face and his rehabilitation, what have you, because... Ultimately, Batman still does feel responsible for what happened. Yes. And that's totally normal, totally natural. But there was a lot of moments where they were sort where Batman and Robin were sort of clashing with each other almost. Mm -hmm. There was ten there was real tension there. There was moments where Batman deliberately dismisses Robin dismisses Dick Grayson just to say, No, I can handle this by myself. You did your best, but then again, there was also where Robin was dismissing what Batman was saying. Mm. You, I'm sure you did your best. Wow, th thank you. I didn't need ever confidence or mm. was that effect. Just like, I'm not sure that was particularly fair. Batman was sure that you did your best. That's nothing condescending mm. there. So there was That's moments... about as high a compliment as Batman can give, to be quite honest. Exactly. So there was moments where they seemed like they were sort of clashing, which yeah. would make things particularly difficult when dealing with one or more villains as we got to see multiple villains in this episode technically so there was a lot of interesting tension there where i just had to wonder if they were okay as a as a dynamic duo as a team or if this is like the beginning of tensions building before robin flies solo and becomes nightwing well that's exactly why i said it i couldn't agree more that this could be the first steps of nightwing but it's also the growing dynamics the relationships between a father and a son i mean I really felt that Bruce is softening. He's trying to be nicer, but Dick's actually now starting to think, well, actually, I can do this on my own. And he proves it because he saves himself and he ends up helping save Batman. So I, I honestly think that's a brilliant insight. Really, really well thought out. Uh, well, well done on that. But yeah. I also think that perhaps Batman was being overprotective because it was Harvey he was dealing with and he'd already lost his best friend, he didn't want to lose his actual best friend and son. And putting him in front of someone as imbalanced and as dangerous as Two-Face, he just thought, no, I did this. I'm as responsible for what's happened to Harvey as anyone else. I don't want this to happen to Dick as well. That's probably the logic behind it. That's certainly what I would sort of chalk it up to if I were uh, trying to read the psychology of it. Because when you're writing characters, you just you generally need to look at each scene and think psychologically what their thoughts are and what's motivating them to do what for which reasons. Mm. So from Batman's frames, yes, I can totally see that this would be the reasoning he would want to put behind it because there's a lot of emotional weight with what happened with Harvey that he sh thinks he should resolve it himself and he doesn't want to drag Dick Grayson into it. It's It was just not handled well. Like as Batman as a character, yeah, he, he needed to. Ex he probably should have tried to explain himself, and that would have made for a lot of further smoothness. But then again, that's what makes the tension of the episodes interesting. We got that tension between our heroes, so we have to wonder which way is up. Are things truly safe? And it led to that great heroic moment right at the end, where Dick Grayson swoops in and saves Batman. A very nice reframing of what you'd expect. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably another reason why I love these characters so much. Batman is not perfect. Yeah. Batman is not infallible. Batman is as human and as flawed as you or I. And that's to me, is why these characters will always be my favourites. I don't want the person who always gets it right, the one who always wins, the chiseled-jawed, super infallible hero. And that's something that some people attribute to other characters but even superman especially in recent years in the last couple of decades has proven to be more human than some of his human colleagues friends and counterparts he's been fallible and since he's become a dad he's become even more awesome though some writers haven't handled that very well but we digress um batman and his ilk are so real they are the most real unreal characters there are truly because there's real mirroring in natural human psychology we give them so much layering so much depth so much baggage that we can relate to it and we see them despite all of that weight on their hearts and minds go out night after night doing the right thing consistently that's what heroes should be someone who does the right thing not wavering from it believing in it despite how hurt they are by it absolutely and um, we have to of course attribute some of the fantastic storytelling to the wonderful work put in, as always, by Kevin Conroy, Lauren Lester, um, the brilliant guest stars, John Vernon reprising his role as Rupert Thorne and Paul Williams, to me, a wonderful penguin. But I have to give kudos to Richard Moll in particular this episode because his Harvey Dent and his Two-Face are as far apart as they can possibly be, but it is the same actor playing both roles. And it was never quite as clear-cut and as different as it was in this episode he, he portrayed both sides of the character it was, it was uncanny it was really good this episode we got the real vision of both sides to harvey dent here so clearly simply because this is the most we've seen true harvey dent come out from the in shadows time, in a yeah. long time this was an actual shot of him becoming one person again i was about to say one face again out of the uh awful uh, procedurally generated Batman script. Um, you have seen that, right? Yes. Okay, good. Have you seen... Sadly, yes. No, nothing wrong with it. It's delightful. Have you seen... I've seen a few people, like, actually, like, cartoon animate it. Not well, but, yeah. like, stick... But, like, partway between stick figures and, yeah. like, loose comic style. It's been... Alfred fun. giving birth to Robin? Not, not super graphically, <laughs> but... But it was fun to see Two-Face flip Peng flip oh, Alfred like a coin. Yeah. But anyway, um, we got that amazing performance simply because it's the most we'd seen Two-Face yeah. lesson and Harvey Dent come back out from the psychological shadows. And it was really rewarding to see that like stark difference that we saw sort of evolve over the original episodes back when he was just Harvey Dent. Mm -hmm. So it's an amazing performance from a layered, deep, rich character that we could really expect from a great actor like it. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to, again, call back to the script and, and Jerry Conway's script in particular over the story by Paul Dinney and Michael Reeves, where I actually felt that Harvey was already warning Batman of what was going to happen when he talked about the good times at the nightclub with his good friend Bruce, who always looked out for him, always saved him. And I actually felt real genuine emotion and caring between Harvey and his best friend Bruce, and Bruce always looking out for me. Um, do you think that Bruce maybe should have listened to Harvey more rather than assume it's just someone's 
Harvey's enemy wanting to get back to him and not let him be whole again. I think Purse probably. I think that was what led him to finding that that conclusion towards the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. To him figuring out, oh, okay, he uh, he arranged his other his other side of his personality arranged this himself because he doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. I should have listened to that clue right from the beginning, and it was obvious because two red herrings. So yeah, it was probably something he should have like listened to and paid more attention to. But still, that level of care. Mm. from the real Harvey Dent, even after all these years, a heartwarming and lovely thing to see. But if you're framing this the way I think you are, where uh, he's saying that thinking about that nightclub as a warning would be what he was thinking, you're assuming then that Harvey Dent knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman? No. Um, Well, I do think Harvey does, no. Really? But he's hiding it somehow from Two-Face. I always thought... And it's been proven in later years that Jim's always known. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I actually do think Harvey knows who Batman is and always has done. That's quite a, quite an interesting idea to think about, that those two personalities are so different that just because they share a head and share a brain doesn't mean they share a mind. Yeah. And they're so at war with each other. Yeah. This, that is interesting to think about. I hadn't honestly given that the idea because like, I assumed that, like, that, ra- that was just Harvey talking about what Two-Face knew about um, the, that specific torn down nightclub is just like a general warning, but the fact that you say that he framed it out to made that warning out to Bruce Wayne is like so exciting. So that yes, maybe, maybe he does know. The That's... reason I say it in particular is because he was lying face up, looking up at and the skylight. Batman and Robin were looking down through the skylight. I, I honestly do think that um, Harvey's greatest battle is keeping most of his secrets away from Two Face. That's maybe that's why this interpretation of Two Face we mostly hear the big bad Harvey voice because Harvey Dent's just there deep down trying to keep everything together yeah. beneath the beneath the layer of the subconscious. That's that's a really nice way to think about it. I really like that idea. That's how I like to think about it as well. Brilliant. Right, so once again we get to the part of the episode where Adam and I, our own dynamic duo. Discuss the good, bad, the ugly, things that stood out, things, main takeaways from Second Chance. I think I sort of summed up my big takeaways a little bit earlier on when we were talking about the clashing and the um, the tension between Batman and Robin. I thought it was just a very interesting idea that because it's so expected of the dynamic duo of Batman and Robin, they're up there with your, your Don Quixote and Sasha Panzers and yes. your Holmes and Watsons as just like that yeah. iconic two-man team up against the world. Although, now that I think about it, both of those other duos I mentioned did have their own spats attention there. Mm-hmm. For very different reasons. Although, despite the fact that the one that was in charge is usually, like, knows what they're talking about, except for Don Quixote, but will not go there. <laughs> um, it was just interesting to me that they made that conscious decision to have, like, two forces... Still come together in the end, but still have that big enough source of conflict that it could drive the episode in addition to mm-hmm. the the scope of the mystery that they were going on for. I think it was a very brave writing choice that you never really expect from this kind of story, but still feels natural, but still also is a great driving force towards the action and the drama. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Sometimes when we look about our takeaways, it can be something silly, something funny, or something just downright odd. But what struck me with this episode, apart from the the brilliant writing and acting, 
and the fact that it slots so well after the previous Riddler episode is a tiny little moment of realism where Batman and Robin are chasing after the goons who have kidnapped Harvey and they're in a hospital and the floor's really shiny and slippery and as they run out of the room and they change direction suddenly, they skid a little. Yeah. They have to regain their footing. Reminding me of our cats on our hard wooden <laughs> floors downstairs. But it's little details like that, honestly, that help elevate this series above just about anything, anything animated I've ever seen anywhere else. And it's just, just that tiny little things like that. Yeah, that's uh, that's an unexpected detail that you'd never like intentionally put because there's a lot of extra effort for 2D yeah. handborn animation which you would get in the in this. It's a dying art these days unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, that's an unexpected slice of realism that I always like Yeah, that adds up. And I lo- also like that the extra added level of realism in that particular shot was that uh it would be so easy for Batman and Robin to just be running through the hospital then burst through the doors. But they run through and slipped. But they run through and slipped in a lobby full of other doctors and nurses and orderlies exactly. who all react in time to Batman and Robin just like bursting through and sliding around everywhere. So the unexpected level of realism in Saturday morning animated fiction is on show here and it just makes it feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Completely unnecessary, but utterly um appreciated very welcome very welcome to see so that's it that leads us to the end of our review of second chance another stellar episode i honestly think even though season one had 60 plus episodes season two has been so damn strong it's been fantastic truly they had the first half of those 60 episodes of season one just to figure out the format figure out their animation style and build the context for these characters so that we can just charge in with the action as strong as it gets, as strong as stuff like this right here in season two. Yep. Only five more episodes left in this season, and I'm, I'm almost dreading it ending. But we have got an old, whole other season and some animated movies to talk about after that. So um, that brings us to the end of this episode. So as always, Adam, let Gothamites, Bloodhavenites, and all other citizens of the DC Universe know where they can find you. Unfortunately, a lot of my uh, writing has been restricted by the internet servers in Hub City. I think um, bl- I think Blue Beetle and I have some beef. I don't know why I'm a big fan of his. Um, but in any case, for those who do have Google at your fingertips, look to my Batman-flavoured things on Dark Knight News. I review multiple titles a month, both Catwoman and Suicide Squad, which are in excellent spots right now. But for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look to... Uh, I enjoy Fantastic Universes, where I put my two cents in about card games and gacha gaming, as well as hosting the Hostile Takeover podcast, where I and a special guest talk about our favourite game for as long as we are both able to ramble. (laughs) For TTRPG goodness, look to the Apotheosis Studios blog, where I make monsters, magic items, and modules to level up your Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition experience. And look to RunterraCCG.com, where I post hard-hitting news and my own strange brews for the League of Legends card game. Follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer, and for your viewing pleasure, go to twitch.tv forward slash IsItTinkerer for my card gaming live streams. The Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube for my PC gaming Let's Plays with some dear, dear friends. And... No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my Dungeons & Dragons Let's Plays with the lovely ladies of No Ordinary Heroes. Do check that stuff out because the game is afoot. As for myself, chat to me on Twitter at lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-V-O. 
E-E-V-O. Follow my work simply by typing Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice to take you to my news reviews, features and interviews across Fantastic Universes, DC Comics News, Dark Knight News and CBR. This show, the original I Am The Night Batman animated series breakdown is part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. We can also see the original DC Comics News Podcast talking about all the movie, TV, games, comics, and other news across the DC Universe every single week. Along with Spinner Rack, where Seth talks about his favorite five DC books to let you know which ones are worth spending your hard and cash on. And of course, Harley Quinn Mad Love Podcast, breaking down every episode of the Harley Quinn animated series. Season three is coming, people. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. And of course, Kelly has her own show on YouTube, DCN After Dark. Catch all of those on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you catch podcasts, or on YouTube, where you can also find DC Comics News and Dark Knight News across YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and wherever else you find good stuff. Until you do, this has been the I Am The Night podcast with me, Stephen Ray. I Am The Night. Adam Ray is the night and together we are the night thank you for listening and until next time read more comics and watch more batman